imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode with Imposing Grandeur Radio. It's me, Avery, here today, and I'm with my lovely co-hosts, Alexa and Annie. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, as always. I feel like wow. we always say the same thing. I'm great, as always, too. Oh, I'm so glad, Annie. <laughs> so good to hear. Well, I think today we are continuing our Fruits of the Spirit series, and today we will be talking about patience. So, you guys ready to get started? This is this is tough, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys had the same, like, conclusion. Yes. But not only tough, but, like, just how abnormal it is, you know? Like, like patience is a virtue. We all, we all kind of hear that. But it's an, an admirable sentiment, but few actually attain it, you know, the actual virtue of patience. And especially nowadays, yeah. it's becoming harder to, like, cultivate that patient heart when we live in a culture of convenience. You know, we have the internet at our immediate access to information at all times, Amazon Prime coming in clutch with two-day delivery. Um, I'm actually supposed to get (laughs) packages today. Um, And if we want to talk to a friend, we text them, FaceTime them, etc. You know, we don't have to write them a letter or wait a week for the response. Um, So yeah, I mean, if you stop and think about it, we we're kind of saturated in this instant gratification society that we live in, you know. Um, But anyway, that was just... Something that I was thinking about. Well, that being said, let's take it down to the nitty gritty. What would you guys say would be the definition of patience? I I found that there, patience really has two definitions. Are you talking about the Greek? No, I didn't go back to the Greek, but I'm just talking about general. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Tell us that part. It probably means the same thing that you came to find, you know, like, in the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are translated into patience, and it's makrothumia and hupomone. I'm totally butchering that, and a Greek scholar <laughs> may or may not be listening and being like, call me out <laughs> on that later. But the first word, makrothumia, literally means long suffering. So the ability to retain a calmness of spirit, even while under severe annoyance or anger. And we attribute this to the understanding of not losing one's temper. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second word, Hupomone literally means to remain under or or to stay put under. And in other words, remaining firm under tests and trials, um, what we would identify as endurance or steadfastness. So, for example, when we see in Romans 5, 3 through 5, we rejoice in our sufferings. So the test, trial, variable, pressure, knowing that suffering produces endurance, hupomone, and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. So... These two definitions of patience are not natural to us, like we established in the very beginning. And we see the greatest example of patience found in God himself. Um, 
so in the New Testament, when we read that God's kindness, forbearance, and patience leads us to right. repentance in Romans 2, 4. Um, and we see this patience saturated through scripture, which I'm sure we'll touch on later in this episode. But what did you, did the, that kind of coincide with what you were talking about? Yeah, I think I, I simplified mine a little bit more just so it would be like one sentence we could kind of nail down as the definition, but mine was similar. I just said, number one, that we're bearing with one another in love. Mm. And number two, patience can mean that we're waiting on the Lord and waiting for a hard season or circumstance to pass. Yeah, yeah. So very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annie, what were you going to say? Yeah, that's exactly. Mine says like the two types is one is shown in bearing troubles and ills and the other is slowness in avenging wrongs. Mm. So it's kind of, yeah, you see the, it's used in two different types of way, like long, long suffering and then endurance. Right. Mm. Which are two entirely different, but in very hard things to wrap your brain around and actually do. I feel like when you're learning one, you find yourself learning the other soon after. Mm -hmm. And I feel like throughout our whole lives, we were talking about this this week because we all talk on Marco Polo often, um, that like once we get through a season of waiting, we're going to find ourselves in another one. It's not, it's going to be a lifelong thing until Christ returns. So this is not something that you can get to a point where you're like, I've done it. I'm patient. I am always Mm going to be patient or I'm always going to be patient with others. It's going to be something that we deal with our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I feel like we see such a stark contrast. I mean, of course, with all the fruits of the spirit that we've talked about thus far, there's such a stark contrast between it being from the spirit and not ourselves, because we in and of ourselves do not possess the natural capacity to actually be patient. I mean, looking around, Like we see all these things in our world that kind of cater to the impatienceness, like us being impatient. So like weight loss programs are always targeting this embedded impatience that we have by guaranteeing instant results. You know, nobody Mm -hmm. wants to work to improve their health. Everyone just wants their health to be improved instantaneously. And then we have fast food chains everywhere. So you're hungry, just drive two miles down the road and get a hot meal. And not only that, but we have microwaves that instantly heat up food in our homes you know, at amusement parks, you can purchase fast passes that allow you to bypass the long waiting line and jump to the front. So we as natural man are not patient creatures. We are always looking for the next thing to kind of allow us to not be patient, but rather that feeds that impatient nature that we always constantly have and crave. Um, you don't see humanity displaying patience as an instinct or operating in astounding comfort when they're in situations that cause us to wait when we would rather not. Um, And like we've said in previous episodes, this is why they're called the fruits of the spirit and not the fruits of man. So this is not an attribute of us. This is an attribute of God, which then is available to us through Christ. Um, And unlike us, patience is the very essence of God. So the entire Bible saturated with examples of God's patience. And think about it in this way. Anytime you sin and God does not smite you where you stand, he is having patience on you. So this holy creator God who deserves and requires perfection has no reason to be patient with us. And yet he is because he in and of himself is a patient God, which is so cool to think about. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, because you were pointing out all these modern-day, like, um, things that feed into our impatience as a society, but also emphasizing your point how it it is, like, 
impatience is embedded within our sinful nature because it's Mm. not just our society. Like we might exhibit it differently or indulge that sinful nature more so than other societies, but you read throughout all the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. just Israel's impatience and then God's long-suffering impatience with them. So it, it truly is, like you were saying, a work of the Holy Spirit when we can act like God in a manner of being patient because it is definitely embedded within our sinful flesh. Yeah, that's such a good point, Annie. I actually wrote that down because I've been reading the book of Judges and from Genesis to Judges, we have seen like just the falling of man and like Israel's just the way that they have used golden calves as idols before the Lord and have just they fix themselves on God and then years later you see them fall away again. And it's just such a picture of our hearts and also God's continual patience with his people. Like if I were God, which so glad I'm not, I literally would have been so done with those Israelites the first time they fell away, you know? And it's just really cool, like you guys are saying, to see the picture of the gospel itself as a reminder of God's ongoing patience with us. Um, and his long suffering with us and just being the perfect picture of what patience looks like and bearing with one another in love. And that being said, let's kind of break down the first um, definition of patience, which like we see in Galatians 5, we're supposed to bear with one another in love while being patient and slow to anger with one another. So how do we exhibit patience when dealing with difficult people? Um, I think it like we say every single episode, a personal inventory check, but I think it truly starts with the heart. And do you understand God's patience and long suffering with you? Because nobody is more difficult than you. And so I want you truly sit back and think about how God is slow to anger and he's gracious and abounding in love towards you. It makes it easier to be to love those people that are far more difficult or that you think are far more difficult to love because if God loved you and had patience with you, then there's absolutely no reason why you can't turn around and show that to the person that's irritating you. And so it's really starts with humbleness and um, acknowledgement of who God is. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. And while I was studying, it was like, well, how do we exhibit patience when dealing with difficult people? Well, the short half-truth answer is that we can't. And I say it's a half-truth answer because although it is true that we are incapable of expressing patience on our own, it is negating the fact that God in his perfect patience is dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit, which enables us to display this fruit. So in order to answer this question, I think it would not only be beneficial, but also encouraging for us to look at how God handled difficult people in scripture. So kind of what Annie was saying, like looking at ourselves through the lens of the difficult people that God had dealt with clearly in scripture. And we've alluded to this already, but the book of Exodus. So when I personally think about God bestowing patience toward difficult people, my first thought is how he dealt with the Israelites. And I'm sure that you guys mm-hmm. all kind of go towards the same way. I mean, Avery, you're in the book of Judges, of course. <laughs> that's a, that's a That's an intense book. But anyway, for those of you who are listening who have no clue what we're talking about, let's just set the context really quick. So we're in the book of Exodus. We see God deliver these people from Egypt's brutal slavery, feed them manna from heaven and water from a rock to sustain them in the wilderness as he leads them to the promised land, a land described as flowing with milk and honey, proving himself to the Israelites and being a faithful provider. And what do they do? 
All throughout the book, they're complaining. At one point, they wish to even go back to slavery. And chapters later, they create a golden calf, like Avery was talking about, to worship as their god and partake in a drunken celebration. So despite being partakers of God's provision and love, they made a new god with their own hands and materials, sacrificed to it, and claimed that this false god was the god who brought them out of Egypt. I mean, like, what? Of course, this isn't okay, let's all just bash Israel time. I mean, we can see ourselves in the story far too clearly than we ought to admit, like Annie was talking about. We need to look at ourselves as well as these difficult people because we are difficult people. So every single time you value something more than Christ, you're being like the Israelites in this story. Whether that's a job, a social status, material goods, etc., we are not above this and we are all in need of radical mercy and grace. So I think the big thing here, so how do we deal with difficult people? Well, what was God's reaction to this? Does he send fire down from heaven and consume these blasphemous people who essentially spit in his face? No. So we see Moses get angry for good reason. After seeing all this take place when he comes down from Mount Sinai, having met with God, he smashes the law that God had given him out of anger and works to repair the relationship on Israel's behalf by meeting with God in the tent of meeting outside of the Israelite camp. And God, in his pure grace, instructs Moses to create new tablets and return to the mountain. And this is what is so astounding. So this is the climax of the story. God reveals his name and character to Moses in Exodus 34, 6. So this is what that verse says. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So God truly and always is full of this mercy and grace. His patience with his people exudes not only from this story, but also in countless other ways, both in the Bible and in our own daily lives. Um, And I think just like applying this to our lives today, think about the evil running rampant in the world today. I mean, it seems as if you can't go one day without hearing something heartbreaking that has happened around the world. We can have this comp or what can we have this confidence in? Well, we can have full assurance that God is a God of justice who will not allow any sin to go under the rug. All sin will be punished either on the cross for those who trust in Christ's atonement or in hell for those who neglect to put their faith in Christ's finished work and rely on their own corrupt selves to be their own savior. Um, But we can trust that this sin will be dealt with. But why isn't God just dealing with it all now? And we go back to the fact that God is patient. Um, Romans 2, 3 through 4 tells us that God's kindness and forbearance and patience is meant to lead us to repentance. This is seen clearly in God patiently sending plagues as Pharaoh fitted himself for destruction, mentioned in Romans 9, 22, or God holding off the flood for the sinners in Noah's day while the ark was being constructed, thereby giving more time for those around Noah to repent, as mentioned in 1 Peter 3, 20. And then for finally, today, we see Christ not returning right now. And stopping all the sin, it's not an indicator of slowness on God's part. Rather, it gives us a glimpse into the long-suffering heart of God, desiring that people repent, as it says explicitly in 2 Peter 3, verses 9. So I would just look to see how Christ is so patient. And then, like Annie said, be humble. Recognize that you are a difficult person. It's not like you're just dealing with difficult people, but you in and of yourself are difficult. And... Mm -hmm. And trust that God and his perfect patience is indwelling you and that he will give you the strength if you are obedient to him. Amen. I loved that. And to add to it, it's funny because at my church, we're going through the book of Haggai and um, everyone's always so quick to point out the um, complaining of Israel, how difficult Israel is. 
And I just think it's funny because it's literally us. Like yeah. we we joke about it, but it's very serious. And it's like that is us. We are those sinful people that God is being patient with. And especially in Haggai, you know, God has promised through the Davidic covenant that the Messiah will come through David's line and he's telling the people to build his temple. God is like, build my temple. I know your excuses, just do it. And then he's talking about how he will bring his signet through Israel and he will bring this Messiah to save them through their own nation. And what do they do? They're disobedient. And 14 years later, they even forget to build the temple. Like they just get lazy again and stuff. But it's like, we are waiting too. We are patient. We should be patiently and righteously waiting for the second coming of Christ. Mm. Yet how quick are we to forget? And God is so patient with us and gently reminds us of who he is and his promises. It's just, it's really humbling mm -hmm. when you contrast, like don't contrast your patience with other people, contrast it with God and be humbled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true, Annie. And goes to show that all of these fruits of the spirit, like if we're not being humble, then we're not going to see our sin and we're not going to be in a place of humility in order to, as the spirit is working on our hearts, exhibit these fruits. And um, just like both of y'all were saying, it's not something that we can do on our own. And I think imagining it as like a muscle to me helps because it's like, just like any other muscles, if you're not working it out, you're not going to suddenly be able to run, you know, or do a, B, and C. And so just like any fruits of the spirit, you know, the patience is a muscle and we, along with the spirit, have to be willing to work on it and, uh, and trust God as, as we are working on it. And um, Colleen McFadden said, wisdom breeds patience. Christ is wisdom. The more we grow in wisdom and know the word, the word gives wisdom. The word then breeds patience. And I really loved that. Just a reminder that you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but also the word and Christ is what gives wisdom and then breeds patience in our lives. I just wanted to say really quick for those who are maybe listening to this, who are struggling to see themselves as a difficult person, <laughs> um, just some, I guess, helpful tools that you can do is to stop comparing yourself to people, um, but study the life of Christ and God's character and his standard. Because I always say change mm -hmm. never happens when you're looking to yourself or when you're looking to others. Change always happens when you're compared to something so much more greater. You know, when we learn about God's standard of perfection and what he requires, I mean, the Old Testament specifically, the book of Leviticus, you see all of these standards and how God requires and demands purity from his people. And yet we were so incapable of doing that that he sent his own son to do that for us and to live that perfect life. So if you are having a hard time, uh, I'm sure there's some of you out there. I mean, for me, it's very easy to see how imperfect I am. I guess it just depends on who you are. But pride, we are not far from pride. Um, that is always, we are also always susceptible to thinking of ourselves in a, oh, well, I'm not that difficult kind of way, or, well, at least I'm not doing that, or, you know, like that that circumstance doesn't affect me as much as it probably would affect so-and-so, you know. Um, don't look at other people. Look to Christ and pray for God to be the instrument of change in your life, not yourself, because you cannot, you are not capable of that kind of change on your own. That's such a good point. Um, moving on to 
the second half of the patient definition because you guys covered the first half. How do we patiently wait on the Lord when dealing with hard circumstances? Because um, I saw someone say once that when we grow weary, we grow impatient. And I've been convicted of this a lot this past year and especially this week, just feeling the weight on my heart of impatience and how hard it can be trying to be patient in trials. And I really think the theme of this past year has felt like weariness for a lot of other people. Like literally everyone I know, if you ask them, you know, the theme of last year, I feel like a lot of them would say, I have felt weary Mm -hmm. and exhausted. And I think weariness can lead to our natural impatience as we've been talking about just our sin and how often we just, that's our first inclination and where we go back. Um, so when we aren't looking to Christ to be our anchor in contentment, impatience is natural. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. I wish that we could, you know, be re- reunited with Christ and feel feel what it feels like to not be impatient. So in y'all's own lives, how do you guys deal with hard circumstances or desires and promises that have not been fulfilled, but you are patiently waiting for? Um, for me personally, I find a so much comfort in like diving which to the listener they may not just hear me out but diving deep into the old testament like really going deep in there even passages like leviticus that everybody jokes about nobody wants to read or judges or haggai this tiny little prophet book there the comfort that comes from seeing god's patience with his people and perseverance with keeping his promises towards these people it is i that is one of the single things that has brought me so much comfort and i did a old testament survey class or through my church last semester and just seeing all these covenants that god has made and it, it gives me the patience and the ability to suffer well through these trials that i need because i know God has promised his son is coming again and that he will reign forever. And I know he's going to fulfill Mm -hmm. that. I have no doubt in my mind because of all these things he's done throughout his Old Testament that he has woven together and then fulfilled through his son. And it's like, I, I feel sad for the person that has no understanding of the Old Testament and the promises that God has fulfilled throughout that because it truly is what has bolstered me these past several months and just waiting for the second coming mm-hmm. and um and really really grown my awe just in how God is so patient and uh faithful. I love that Annie. That was what I was I kind of jotted down was that we're supposed to be eternity focused, you know, waiting on the day of the Lord and his return. But I think when we are in the middle of current trials or fire or seasons or circumstances that seem really long and bearing on our hearts, I think it's really hard to be eternity focused because all we feel is what mm-hmm. we're dealing with or what we're going through. And um, I just, I think, you know, scripture shows us in so many ways, as you alluded to, that we cannot let our hearts come so wrapped up in our circumstances that we forget the immense joy that is in our eternal security in Christ. And as we're suffering, we need to be remembering that God knows the grander picture. He is in control of the outcome of our trials and sufferings. And if the desires and promises that we are waiting on or we would like 
you know, in our lives, whatever it may be, marriage, children, um, our children to come to know the Lord, you know, name, you name it. If God never blesses us with those things, we have been blessed with the most, which is Christ. And that is something that I forget often because I think our circumstances and trials overshadow what a gift that is. And I never want that to be what changes my joy and what um, just dampens my joy and hope in Christ because I've been given the most and that is through Christ. It's true. Um, I wanted to draw our attention to James 5, 7 through 8. I thought it was such a almost assuring because I feel like the Bible prepares us for this patient waiting process. You know, it doesn't cut any corners or sugarcoat it and say, you know, like it's not going to be hard. Just wait like a couple minutes and then bam, like all will be well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it, it prepares us. And specifically in this passage, it says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so in this particular passage, James used a farmer as an example on purpose. You know, they wait for the precious fruit. They cannot speed up the rainfall or communicate with the seed for it to work 10 times harder. You know, the Mm -hmm. action of planting happens and all the farmer can do is wait. And something really interesting that I've heard said, um, there is a Chinese bamboo tree that does absolutely nothing or or so it seems for the first four years. And this is wild to me. Uh, for, so for four years, it doesn't grow. It doesn't do anything. And then suddenly, sometime during the fifth year, it shoots up 90 feet in only six days or 60 heck? days. Yeah, <laughs> 60 days. And so I think this is profound. This is profound because this is not to say that the growing period was only 60 days. So the 60 days in which it shot up 90 feet, but rather it was the sum total of the five years, even though the first four years seemed so insignificant. And our lives share similarity with this tree. You know, there are times in which we are constantly pouring out and nothing seems to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But like God is at work in the farmer's seed, so he is at work in our lives. Like Mark 4, 26 through 27 says, the kingdom of God is as if a man who scattered his seed on the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the sheets and the seed should sprout and grow and he know not how. So when on the surface, for those of you who are listening, and even for ourselves, I'm preaching to myself right now, when it looks like God is buried for good, he is always at work in the dark, always. Mm-hmm. Jesus is at work in the dark places, and we need to realize that there are many, 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 many times, and I, I'm i resonating with that statement, when we are in a hurry, you know, we want things to get done. We want to know what the, the next step will be or why we are even going through this in the first place, but that doesn't mean that God is in a hurry. We may be in a hurry, but God isn't, mm-hmm. and that's something that we not only need to be okay with, but rejoice in knowing that his plan is far better than anything that our finite minds could construct. But like Avery, you were saying, this is muscles. Like these are muscles that we have to work out. Um, and that strength only comes from the Lord. Um, so it, it needs to be, we need to be in the word and we need to arm ourselves with the word of God to change our perspective in those hard moments when 
it seems like nothing's going on to remind ourselves with confidence that he is always at work in the dark. He is growing that seed, even though we can't see the seed because it's underground. I think we need that on a shirt. He's at work in the dark. (laughs) Our t-shirt line after these episodes is just going to be so good. (laughs) But uh, Alexa, it reminded me just how between the Old Testament and the New Testament, y'all, there was 400 years where God didn't speak to the people. Can you imagine that? And what happened right before that? They got rebuked by God for disobeying again. And so it's like, oh my gosh, is he still going to do this? Like, is the Messiah still going to come through the, like, through David's line? Like, Mm. are we still his remnant? Like, I, and so it just reminded me, Avery, of how you, like, going back to that muscle thing. It is a muscle and you can't define your seasons of patience on those, like, uh, high mountaintops. It's in those moments where you're in those valleys where long suffering is produced and patience is produced because that is where it's so easy to lose sight. Like, where is God? What is going on? And that is, it's, it's, it's a discipline. It's, um, you have to work at it because our natural inclination is not to turn to God and his, who he is during those valley moments. It's to wallow in our sadness and think we are, we are worthy of so much more than the life that I've been given. And Mm. that's just what I thought of when we were talking about that. Mm. That's so true. I was going to mention that also just that we get the privilege of the grander picture of what's going on in these people's lives all throughout scripture. And in one sentence, 40 years can pass, but Mm. we can see on the next page, God fulfilling that promise. Whereas they were living the day to day of those 80 you know, years, 400 years of God not speaking or not seeing the result of what he had promised. And even in the book of Esther, God's not mentioned once, but to us as readers, we can see God moving and working all throughout that whole story. But imagine being Esther or whoever else is Mm -hmm. in that current circumstance and thinking, where is God? What is he doing? This seems helpless. And same for our own lives. Mm -hmm. Like we don't get the privilege of seeing the grander picture or turning the page and seeing God fulfill whatever we've been waiting on. And that goes for Christ's return. We don't see that in scripture. We don't have an end date. We have to remain faithful looking towards eternity and trusting that he will be faithful to fulfill. Yeah. And like you both were saying, the grander picture gives us motivation and encouragement to be patient. Um, While y'all were talking, I just thought of James 5 11 and says what you guys were doing you were connecting the old testament to what we know now um and using that as an encouragement so it says behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast so what we're talking about and it said you have heard of the steadfastness of job and you have seen the purpose of the lord how the lord is compassionate and merciful and i was just thinking about how in the book of job you know he goes through all of those hard trials and his friends were like, oh, you're going through this because you have sinned against the Lord or because X, Y, and Z. And we have seen that that is not the reason why he was going through that. He was going through that um, 
but God was still gracious and merciful and was at work at all times in that situation. And although it did not seem like that from the surface, Job had no idea that the conversation with God and Satan happened before that happened. You know, like like when Satan was like, um, oh, well, he will deny you if this happens. And God was protecting Job and all this stuff, you know, like we don't know what's going on because it's in the dark to us. But God is at work in the dark. And so I just thought of that verse. It was like, be blessed, like remain steadfast. Those who remain steadfast are considered blessed because we know that God is compassionate and merciful and gracious, you know, like we've been talking about. So using that as our motivation and our encouragement, when hard times come, you can be patient. You can remain steadfast. Why? Because we know that God is at work. Like he is at work in the mess and he He makes all of our chaos count. And we'll put that on another T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> At least make these background screensavers. Oh, yeah. I know. Um, but I was just going to say, I'm so glad we went through our Attributes of God series first because yeah. it makes this series so much richer when we're able to be like, remember yeah. when we talked about this, about yeah. how it's all work of who God is and it's nothing about us. But Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, this has been such a rich conversation, and I'm going to be remembering this in days to come when I'm feeling impatient and bitter and weary um, and just trusting and looking towards eternity and who God is, who his character is, proof of his faithfulness and trusting that no matter what my circumstances say or what everything around me says. Um, So thank you guys for that truth and that encouragement and for Um, just having this time to be able to hopefully encourage those listening, but to also bolster ourselves in our own seasons Mm -hmm. of waiting and um, encouraging and sharpening one another and um, encouraging one another to not remain worldly in our waiting seasons, um, but to trust God and be eternity focused. So Speaking of talking about time frames, we are moving into our IG oh. hot seat. And I was like, where what is she gonna do here? <laughs> well, I thought of, you know, when you're little, you have pictures of what your life is gonna look like when you grow up. So my question mm. for y'all is when you were little, doesn't matter when. What job did you think you'd be doing when you got to your 20s? And how does it look different to what you're doing now? (laughs) Well, LOL, I thought I was going to be Hannah Montana. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. (laughs) Pop star was definitely like. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely wanted to be like a famous, like if you had asked me when I was Oh man, I don't even know, and I'm kind of embarrassed to like say how <laughs> I was how, in middle school. Like, <laughs> like that dream kind of carried along with me for <laughs> long. But people will be like, "So, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And I'm like, "Well, do you really want to know?" <laughs> like, I, I'm like, <laughs> like with your Toby Mac hat on, you're like, I'm "Oh yeah, I went star. through." Yeah, I went through a fedora phase for those of you listening who may not know. I mean, not fedora, like strictly, but I had a couple fedoras, you know, I had like other hats. I I had like a whole hat collection that I wore. I wore like those French red berets things like, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. But anyway, I'd be like, like it went from I'm going to be a, a famous singer, famous actress to I'm going to be a famous singer to I'm going to be a singer <laughs> to I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Didn't you want to be a surgeon? Like, and then you yeah, realize so you like hate blood? Oh, 
Oh, well, yeah. That was in high school, though. That's like a that's for our high school roundtable series. <laughs> so if you're listening and you want to know more about that Alexa phase, then head on over to our roundtable episode, um, which will be airing after this episode. So you might have to be patient. But um, yeah, Ooh, there are patience. many things. Yeah. Oh, patience. Hi. Uh, <laughs> full circle. Full circle. <laughs> but yeah, definitely had pop star. But how does it look differently today? Well, I'm definitely not a pop star. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah. So definitely the Lord got a hold of my heart and told me, you know, I want you to like magnify me. I don't want you to magnify yourself because you in and of yourself are disgusting. And I believe <laughs> like every aspect of that, that analysis, because I am, I'm disgusting. The, I, I, Psalm 16, I have no good part from him. So he's changed my heart. I would rather proclaim something worth proclaiming than myself. So. Amen. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to be a pop star for a long time. That is true. Um, I will not deny like that. Lily and <laughs> Hannah over here. <laughs> um, but I went through a really like intense, I want to be in the FBI phase to the point where my dad would like give me his like war college quarterlies to read and like analyze it. <laughs> at the beach, he would be like, how do I know that person is a part of our like um, beach club that we were staying at? And he would be, like, trying to help me, like, pick out the details of this person <laughs> to figure out, like, how he could identify them as part of our beach club. And, like, Dang, so that was, I was training for that. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize we had a trained FBI agent on our opposing grandeur host team. But um, other than that... You know, I wanted to be a teacher, and that could still happen. Like, that's still something that I'm interested in. So, but that's pretty much it. Time will tell. Maybe we don't know if you're in the FBI. That, yes, maybe Annie Clapp <laughs> is just my alias. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's really Fernando Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> but Avery, what about you? I wanted to be a vet for a very long time. Until I realized that I had to know math and science really well. And I was like, <laughs> never mind. I got hate it. both of those. <laughs> also, I hated the, like any animal that was sick or dying was just traumatizing mm. to me. So I was like, why would I want to surround myself with <laughs> animals that were sick? And so I volunteered for my You're local just crying vet. crying all the time. I know. And I volunteered for my local vet. And my first day, he was like, um, you need to like hold my this first cat. day. Were you like eight years old? <laughs> I was like, I think I was like 13. And he was like, I need you to hold this cat down. And I was like, why? And he was like, I need to give it this shot. I didn't understand what was going on. The cat dies in my arms. Oh, I was like, why did you kill it? And he was like, the owner didn't want it anymore. And I was like, I don't want to do this ever. Oh my word. He was like, I'd throw it in the freezer. The and I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. Um, my dream died that day, and I decided I was not going to be a vet. I'm sure yeah, not all nice. that nice that cat on your first day. Literally, like I think they could have gone a little softer on me, like this innocent little 13 year old. I mean, maybe, maybe just a little. Yeah. Like maybe you could have started out like brushing the cat's fur or Literally. something. <laughs> Come here and hold it down while I can. Yeah, and they were so numb to it. They're just like talking about their weekends. 
and just like euthanizing this blind cat. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll be an English teacher. <laughs> and Aww. still not wow, an English what a, teacher. What a, what a switch. <laughs> I know. So yeah, it's funny how your views as a child, things change. I mean, mm-hmm. some people grow up and they do what they wanted to do, but not everyone. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And we look forward to our next podcast, which will be on Love, Joy, Peace, Patience, Kindness. Hey. (laughs) So we'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much. Y'all have an awesome rest of your week, day, wherever you are. Bye. Bye.